Hello and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business. Yes, uh, this episode, 131, Passing Through, Passing Through SoCal. Um, yeah, I was there, believe it or not. Does, doesn't feel like it. it. wasn't much time. I was gone two weeks, home for a few hours, less than 24, hour before, less than 24 hours before I hit it out on a red-eye Saturday, and uh, God, would seem like all of Sunday as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, dude, I'm so turned around. I'm trying to think of what I did yesterday. Was I on a flight all day Sunday and then waiting? Yeah, because I was waiting in Germany, in Frankfurt, and then I was waiting in Oslo. We missed our flight from Oslo to um, Tosmo or Tomso. Uh, and so we had to do a night. We. I had to spend the night there and then catch a flight to Tomso. I don't even know if that's it. I'm blanking. This morning, finally caught the ship to the news that I had to perform that first night. People have been on the ship for a while. So it was my first night, and they want you right away. It's like Fight Club. It's like your first time, you're fighting. Um, which is tough because I hadn't slept in two days and I just had two shows and now I'm going to have to sleep. And then Thursday's the next show. Anyway, um, so it was weird to go home LAX late Friday night and have to be there early evening Saturday. That was weird. I was hoping I get a few days before performing. I didn't, whatever, let's go. You know what I mean? And we're still in dock in Tomso, T-O-M, Tosmo or Tomso? Dude, how do I not have this right by now? Um, we're there for a few hours. We're north, dude. We're north Norway. There's snow. It's freezing out. I brought a little Patagonia. I had no idea. I have I have two pairs of shorts because, well, I'll be in Greece and Spain. But, um, yeah, it's insane. Uh, there's more Americans than I thought. More Americans, Californians. Uh, I was surprised. And some English and Australians. Um, some Canadians. So that's good. I, I wasn't sure. I guess there are more, a lot more Americans on the ship. So I'm doing Norway to England to Spain to Greece over the next three and a half weeks. Uh, I don't know why I came all the way back. I guess I didn't need to, but I did need to get based and do some laundry. I'm going to look at Florida and New York as options moving forward because um, there's just not as much work that leaves out of SoCal, Mexico, Hawaii, Alaska routes. There's just fewer and far between even mexico isn't directly under cali so flying florida to mexico isn't nearly as rough as flying la to florida or la to south america because mexico obviously turns that direction and you hit cozumel i mean miami to cozumel new york to cozumel that's not undoable um i'm really excited to see spain and greece it's going to be a day here and a day there but i'll take it you know what i mean um, I might get a couple nights in Barcelona, actually. I can understand why people get excited for Laguna or San Diego. As a kid, I couldn't because being raised there spoiled. I was like, people are getting excited coming down here to visit. You know, if it's people from Toledo or Cincy or New York or whatever. You're kind of spoiled where you're raised. Um, but I'll probably look like that in the next week or two to seasoned European travelers in Spain. And Greece. I have no idea what to expect. I only brought one. There's there's something clicking in the background. I don't know if you can hear, but it's just if you're on a ship, it's any number of things. You know, the engine room, the any little wiring or machine, whether it's under your room, the on the other side of the wall, 
the TV, the hangers, uh, a clock. I don't know. Uh, I only brought one book on my last trip. I went right through it. Uh, the MSC ship didn't have a biblioteca like most ships have, like a, a reading room, a library, a lounge. Like most ships have that. And they have shelves and shelves of books, old and new. MSC, they looked at me like I was crazy. So they're, they're all on the dance floor. People were even shocked when I asked. Yeah, normally, yeah, there's a reading room. So this trip, I brought two or three books with me for two or three weeks. I know in the movie, the film, Accidental Tourist, great movie, says to only bring one book when you're on a trip. Um, but I, this is the second time it's happening where I, where I just bring one and I get burned because I'll go through it in two and a half days. So it's going to be back, um, I guess, on the ships. I get so much done when I'm home. These ships are definitely a motivation to get better and for it to not be permanent or fewer throughout the year. It's not necessarily artistically rewarding, but it's not totally void either, right? You know, if you want to coach in the big time, but you're coaching in Canadian Football League or European Football League instead of Division One football or NFL, kind of like that, right? But I've just never had a run like this where I wanted, you know, and it's been nice where bookings were flowing and money was coming in and you just have to keep saying yes i always knew that's how it would go at some point and i wanted to be prepared for it uh it does seem like i'm tired a lot not worn down tired i'm, I'm jacked right now because i just finished two shows and then there's two more thursday with the other 45 minute set which i don't know how i'm gonna do that's all of a sudden gonna be 40 um maybe four drinks a week now like two separate outings two drinks each i never go beyond three it's weird you're just you naturally you get bored of it too i have a colonoscopy first week of november i should be there for that um good to be getting rewarded for hard smart work but it's not getting rewarded to the extent that you're happy okay yeah and that doesn't sit well right that lingers something better will come i'm sure if you can write it out, consistency over intensity. That consistency over intensity doesn't really go there, I don't think. Um, but yeah, if you're not getting rewarded in the way that you're happy, then that's, yeah, then that lingers. So you have to be moving forward. I know plenty of guys stuck on cruise ships, but they're not doing anything about it. It's funny, the cruise ship isn't pure stand-up, and it's not pure traveling. Have I said that before? It's kind of half of both, which is fine for now. We'll see how long it goes. A lot of the cruise ship comics call it the golden handcuff syndrome. Bill Barenkay, who I just worked with most recently last week, great guy, great comic, um, out of Cincy, lives in New York. But he said that it's like it's like golden handcuffs, right? Um, I loved Cozumel, but uh, only got a little while there Friday morning. Before flying to Houston, then L.A., then Ubering down to Orange County. I can't believe I got on a red eye right that quick. I think that depression hit me on a Wednesday, weirdly. Like that I was going to be moving around all Friday and Saturday. And that's when I dealt with that stress. Because it's so, like the schedule, you see the ships, you see the dates. The first thing is you see the dates that are marked off. And you're like, ugh. And then you see the itinerary of flying. And it's like going to be an all-nighter. It's three different flights to a land you've never been to, you know, a different ship, all this new people. And then once you get settled and then get a couple shows on your belt, you're like, dude, I'm home free. It's like Balboa after round one. You make it through round one, you're home free. Because he knew that Apollo was going for the knockout both times. Well, more in two. Um, 
I think, okay. I think there's a survival instinct where we know something stressful is coming and it hits us instead of it hitting us the night before, it'll hit us three days out because out of survival to get done. Because if it hits you the night before, you don't have time to like, um, you know, uh, calibrate and recover from the blow. So you had it, you let it hit two or three days before and you have time to go, okay, I'm going to dwell here and build back up. <clears throat> so I'm good. I'm going to be in a bad mood. I'm going to be ornery. I'm going to process this. Cause if it's late Saturday night that you realize, Oh my God, I'm about to get on a red eye to Europe. And then two flights after that to catch a ship for three and a half weeks around Europe with no catch up time, you know, um, that's a lot to process. So you want to stretch it out. Um, so yeah, did some laundry, change of items and suitcase, catch up what you missed the last two weeks, plan out the next three and a half. Yeah, back in a car to the airport, to a plane, to a port, on a cruise ship, back in a cabin, writing jokes. And you're sitting there like, what changed? I was just here. Why do I get so much time in a cabin and so little at my home? So little with my family, who I haven't even seen since the holidays, since before the holidays. I didn't get to see them last holidays. And then I think plan... <clears throat> Two different things fell through this time. One, I had to go pick up more work. And two, I had to go visit my aunt, who's ill in um, New Mexico. Uh, Doing some overthinking in general. Not looking forward to being on a ship, but I'm already here. You want them laughing, but you want them laughing at how you've shaped it. Cruise ships are a lot of joy and frolic. I'm not really big on self-joy. I never have been. I always felt guilty, I think because my older brother couldn't partake, and I knew what was waiting for us at home. If everybody can't be happy, then I can't get into it. It's like that uh, Annie Hall line, when Woody, Woody Allen. He's like, if not everybody's enjoying themselves, I can't enjoy myself. But I think that's lightened over the years. I think maybe I didn't spend enough time with my older brother over the years, because in some uh, of those darker episodes with him, I felt like okay, we've done enough with him and his situation for him. It's okay to enjoy life outside this, even during it. I just need to know that he's not sad, which I don't think he is, right? We can't possibly know what's going on inside the minds of special needs people, but I really don't think they know if other people are making fun or staring or whatever. And even if they do, I don't think they care. Um, I don't know why my family wasn't all in therapy over the years with those depressing trips to and from East San Diego, right? Santee and um, El Cajon. But it made the three of us better siblings to each other for sure. We didn't have a choice. We didn't know, right? We didn't know. Um, yeah, we had to rally around each other. With high school football, oh my God, Sunday was the only day off for about half the year from august to december yeah i had football from august really july to december six days a week and then for the first half of the year we'd have workouts after school for football off season but they weren't like football season um but when you had only the sunday to dwell you know you kind of had saturday afternoon evenings because football we'd either have games friday or saturday usually friday night but saturday was film and we had to run or do aerobics with coach. He had us back working out to get the blood flowing. He did not want us resting. And I didn't mind it because we were so excited because we usually won. 10, what did we win? 10, 16, 12, um, 
we got six, two, and two, six, 18. So 22. What do we want? We want 10, then we want six. So 16, then eight, 20. We won 36 games in four years. That's pretty good. Anyway, so on that <clears throat> Sunday off, Sunday off in fall during football, I didn't want to drive down there to San Diego, but we did. Mass, which I just loved. Mass, and then a nice round trip to Santee or El Cajon, right? Two hours there, two hours back to hang out in a special needs facility. There is no way those are allowed now in the fashion that they were then. Very depressing. I think it's all homes and such now, group homes. But it was like bulletproof glass with microphones and speakers. The caregivers would speak through. They'd be out on the floor with the kids too. They'd also be in like a booth. It was like a prison or jail where they have to buzz you in. You know, it was dark, but <coughs> Jesus Christ, it was love. It, it was love. It's just the layout of the room was such. If you look back at it now, you'd be like, oh, my God, is this an insane asylum? We didn't know any better. And you had love. So a big reason my dad hated some people uh, because they didn't do anything or he didn't care for drug addicts or sympathy because he could see Dan. He didn't get a chance. He never got any of that chance. So he didn't have my dad didn't have a lot of sympathy for people that didn't do anything. Laziness, sloth, just not tolerated. He won something. He didn't buy it, but he got it. And some, you know, he worked in candy and toys and stuff. And somebody gave him a new in television. It was like Atari, and then it was in television, and then it was whatever came after that. Um, starts with a C. Um, controller, I don't know. And then before it got gnarly with Tech Mobile, but it was. Atari was kind of the first, and then Intellivision was an offshoot. It didn't last very long. He came home with an Intellivision, and he said, I, you know, just don't play this too much. We, didn't, we played it less than five times, and on one of those, he walked in while we were playing it, and he's like, no more. no more. And we're like, this is the first time you've ever seen us play this. And he's like, no more. And he threw it away. And, and we didn't even care because we didn't play that much. We didn't even want it. We didn't really do video games. Um, but it was funny that he threw it out off the first time he saw us with it, which was really about our fifth time using it. Maybe I remember there was like a shark video game where you could be a shark and you could get the people. But um, anyway, um, got to hand it to the parents, right? Just keeping us on track, working their asses off to make everything as normal as possible, getting us, um, getting us out of Toledo and into bigger thinking areas. Nothing wrong with Toledo, of course, but yeah. Right, getting us around families that excel and live well, getting us exposure to higher living, which is a thing. It's been a thing since the beginning of time. Higher living, higher standards. Ancient times, some teepees or huts or caves were better kept. Rock formation homes, <coughs> some of them were better kept. Some people gave in to gambling and drink and overdid it and weren't accountable. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, so um, back on the ship. Uh I was dreading these ships for a while. Their audiences that they won't understand, but whatever. What's funny isn't just my expectations are too high. Oh, what's funny is that my expectations are too high. They are listening. They're enjoying. Just have to accept that they're not knockdown, drag out shows. We think we have to blow it out of the room or the theater like it's a rock concert, which those acts in comedy never sustain. Look, they're listening. They've gone from bingo to trivia to your show, and then are on their way to karaoke. 
So they're just kind of taking it all in. They're not, you know, they're foot traffic, right? So I have to view it more as a speech or just take my time in general. Is that my fear, taking my time? Because everybody benefits when you do that. You take your time so they can understand more and you're able to remember material better and do less material since you're not blowing through jokes. Let people sit with you. Quit being in a hurry. Otherwise, it's like my old comedy manager, John McDonald, said, just put your jokes on a sheet of paper, post to the wall on the back of the stage, and walk off. Then people can just come up and read them. Um, you know, he's like, just do that. If, it, if you're not even being a human being, where are we here? We're at 16. Okay. Um, <coughs> getting present. Why am I coughing so much? Getting present, whatever field you're in. So I'm in Norway now. Um, did the Saturday red eye. It's Monday night, and then it's uh, probably Monday afternoon back home in California. I don't enjoy the red eyes, nor does anyone. We went LAX to Frankfurt, Germany to Oslo. Okay, I wrote all this already. I read all this. Um, so we will go. Now I have to catch. Okay, so I'll take this ship to Southampton, take a flight to Barcelona, and then a ship from Barcelona to Greece, and then fly Greece back to Southampton, England, then cruise from Southampton to Gibraltar. So it's one, two, is that three? So it's one, two, three. That's three trips and two flights. Okay. Three cruises, two flights. Fly home early November. If I go insane, I hope I can not at least give the impression that I'm okay. I hope I can. I hope I can at least give the impression that I'm okay. I don't know what I'm saying. I can't say enough about how clean Germany and Norway are. It's like an alien planet man so organized tame on the flight the airport getting around norway is way the hell up here it's cold came out of the airport waiting for a bus and was like oh wow it's like 50 degrees i thought the germany to norway flight would be quick it was two hours and then i'm getting on another two-hour flight okay oslo is where victor laszlo was from casablanca or was he just hiding out there God, that movie, Casablanca. That, The Wizard of Oz, Citizen Kane, they have to be the three greatest films, right? I mean, the classics. You need to see those three, and then you're good. And from there, you can do whatever. But as far as rewatchability, I don't know of classics that are that gone with the wind, I suppose, which isn't great compared to the book. If you've read the book, the, the, the way she writes in Gone with the Wind. Um, Mitchell, Margaret Mitchell? I'm blanking. I'm, I, I don't know why I'm awake. Uh, I think they're all from 39. Citizen Kane is from 41. Okay. There's another Orson Welles movie that's great that is under the radar for some reason. Chimes at Midnight. Shakespearean adaptation. Have never seen it. Set in the 1500s. It flies under the radar for some reason. I'll check it out and get back to you. Supposed to be brilliant. Uh, I just recently heard of that. It's weird doing this cruise ship gigs, man. You're in front of a lot of people, and you just it's the name of the game, right? You're forced smiling, and there's just no laugh, and you just keep going, and you're surprised what comes th through. Um, you really are. You find moments. You know, people are picking up on more than you think, and you get a ton of compliments, so it's just accept that. 
but it's the f- flow of that second less performed set that I worry about, that neglected material. Um, and you needn't worry because the second part, um, it's part TED Talk. It really is. Because you, you can't be magical and show Manny, showman e for 45 minutes if it's only stand-up. You know, you can with music, magic, dancing. <coughs> but with jokes, it's got to be stories, start and stop. It's too much for 45. So I should take advantage of that. Um, okay. A complete 180 here. Uh, with 10 minutes left on the clock. We're going to touch on uh, Israel-Palestine situation. It has heated up, and there will be more heat. So much blood on the way. Thousands of people will die. And it is such a bummer. It is so unnecessary. Palestine uh, executed a pretty well-coordinated attack on Israel. Um, You know, (laughs) Israel is one of the strongest militaries in the world. And that's bragged about. And they spend a lot of money on it. Men and women both serve, which I agree with. Some form of civil service. Um, But Palestine has no standing army. You know, it's not Israel versus the Arab world. It's this, this is an Israel-Palestine issue. These other Arab countries that surround it do not want to entangle with Israel and the states. They don't want to mess with Israel and the United States. Um, so Palestine's on their own, despite what you hear. There can be a little aid here and there, but it's nothing substantial. But Palestine stood up to Israel. You know, can you imagine a group of American civilians or Mexican civilians defending themselves from Camp Pendleton? It'd be insane. A little different. Um, but supposedly for now, <coughs> Gaza is liberated, you know, for a few hours. Palestine is divided in two. If you don't know, Israel is in the middle and all around them, really. West Bank is on the east side, and Gaza is along the Mediterranean on the west. And it doesn't matter because Israel occupies both. And. Not a lot of people look at this or even a map layout or of any of it. The idea is to keep it confusing for people so they just gloss over it and Israel can go on with business as usual. You know, it relies on people not knowing or caring or looking into it. Something to keep in mind um, as all the news sources from every side once again congregate at the bodies of slaughtered Palestinians. Israel has an illegal occupation going on. Okay, Israel is in Palestinian territory. Illegal by international law. We've we've always supported countries that when being occupied fought back. Algiers did it with France. Um, you know, northern uh the Northern Ireland situa- situation. <coughs> the apartheid in South Africa. And so anyway, this uh, illegal occupation goes against the UN, which is a body that helped create Israel back in 47, 48. Israel has illegal settlements where they drive Palestinian people out of their homes and claim those homes for their own. And these are Jewish people that live around the world can go back there and push Palestinians out of their homes. Um, it's so diabolical. And not I'm not talking about Semites who speak Hebrew. And this all violates the 1967 border agreement. Uh, Anyone who says it's complicated only wants you to ignore it all and move on. It's an easy hook to just hang the topic on, right? And you get on to milder wine party chit-chat. So it being an illegal occupation and an apartheid state, Palestinians have the right to defend themselves, just like our beloved Ukrainians do. 
that we have sent $75 billion, $75 billion to. Uh, it's terrible what's happening in Israel-Palestine area for both sides. Families, young people, so many deaths, pointless deaths. But don't let the news tell you it's all so one-sided with their, you know, pretty made-up faces. It's shameful. ABC. I was watching a clip. Just, you know, I'm like, this is going to be painful and gross, but let's watch. And it's sad that it's the one area of Democrats and Republicans agree on is dead Arabs and Palestinians. And we give Israel aid to do this. We give them about $3 billion a year officially. It's more. But we give them around $3 billion a year. They don't need it. As the U.S., we're complicit in all they do. We deny Palestine um, water, resources, electricity. They've been there since the beginning of time. <coughs> Jews, too. But the difference is Jewish people who don't speak Hebrew but live in any other part of the world can go back there and get a house, real estate, at the cost of a Palestinian losing their home. It's mind-blowing. Nobody looks, though. Nobody explores. It's tragic. Netanyahu will use this as a total siege, total terror war and slaughter. And the U.S. will back him. And all of a sudden, Biden can use complete sentences when he endorses Palestinian death. So if you ever want to look at this, just question it. You know, just quite, just go, why is this so, like, if Israel's so right, why isn't this situation over? And it's like, because they're not so right. Zionism and this stuff. It's like the movie The Negotiator, where Kevin Spacey's character says, why does everyone want Samuel Jackson's character dead so fast without us hearing both sides first? Why is the news so over the top on this stuff? I think it's opening up a little bit, I feel like. Just the terminology and the headlines that I see, some of the language and organizations like JVP, which is Jewish Voice for Peace, I go through them and quote them on a lot and it just spares me the anti-semite convenient placeholder term that's so easily thrown around for questioning justice in that region you know <coughs> jewish these are jews that are helping with palestinian independence and justice all you have to do is keep going back to the fact that there's an illegal occupation going on under international law if a group is undergoing that they have the right to defend themselves israel wants all that land that Palestinian land, it's been the plan for many, not all, but many, for a long time. You know, Miko Paled, the general's son, he talks about this. His dad was a general uh, when Israel was first formed, and he said it was never about, like, peace. It was like driving the Palestinians out from the beginning, taking this land. If the U.S. wanted Canada, or even more of Mexico, we're not allowed to just take it. So just do a little digging on this issue. Not a lot. Um, you'll see. Palestinians are Semites. Arabs are Semites. Palestinian slaughter is anti-Semitic. I'm a fair guy. <coughs> Me saying all this can only hurt whatever leverage I have in show business. The closest comparison I could come up with is if Northern Ireland, where the English have ruled since 1169, more recent than when Jews were driven out of Jerusalem and such areas from biblical times. If Ireland and America, if Ireland and American Irish money could drive the English out of Northern Ireland and I could then go over and kick out a Protestant English person so my family could have a second home, fuck no, I wouldn't do it. It's not fair to them. They've lived there. So 
and it's even worse. It, 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 that's the closest comparison I can make, and it's not even that close. Ultimately, America likes to have a little depot there in the Middle East, a little stopover point from which we can monitor that region of the world. How long can we keep doing this? We'll see. Peace effort needs to come from inside the house. Yeah, it needs to come from Israelis. They need to be like, okay, enough is enough. Like, let's make peace with these people. There's a great documentary called The Gatekeepers. And it's about like six or seven people that are head of um, Israel's defense force since the beginning of Israel. And they, they all come full circle and say that, like, we've taken it way too far. This is ridiculous. Yitzhak Rabin was killed for this reason by a far right uh, Israeli. You know, he wanted to make, he was starting to make strides. Yitzhak Rabin killed in the mid 90s, assassinated. Netanyahu took over. <coughs> he was trying to make peace with Palestine. He was really making strides. Um, so many countries have been applauded throughout history for doing what Palestinians are doing. How long do we keep giving money to Israel and Ukraine while our cities and towns look like shit around America? Uh, and it's worse and worse. I mean, you go to these towns that used to be okay, and now it's like, ugh. So it'll be interesting to see the tipping point, because you don't need to go that far anymore to see. Go to Just go to any Greyhound station in America, a DMV, a public school in an inner city. Yeah. Um, okay, different ending point from where we started. I'm trying to be fair. Are you? I grew up Catholic, right? Told for years Catholicism was the way to go, could do no wrong. Then you realize you go outside the lines a little. History of the Crusades, sexual abuse. Who owns the most property on the planet? For what reason? Is that what Jesus wanted? You know? So who's using that stuff for personal gain? So that was a tough pill to swallow about your own religion when you come of age. And we all ultimately have that struggle with whatever religion we're raised on. We all have it. Uh, And we look silly and pathetic and closed-minded and heartless and prejudiced defending a lot of it. The truth scares me a lot, okay? But he can't shy away. Um, Okay, that's it for me. I don't even know if this is going to come out audibly or not. Uh, We finished at 30 somehow, miraculously. Um, Yeah, back in a few weeks. So next week I'll be reporting from Norway as well. Now I'll be pulling into England. Uh, I don't know, man. Um, But that's it for this week. Keen on Things podcast. Subscribe if you dare. Check out book uh, on Amazon called Patrick Keen Collection. Drive our comedy special. Uh, yeah, we're leaving for Southampton, England uh, tonight or some point. All right, I love you. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. Bye.